0: him and just bless him and just bless him and just bless him bless him, bless him, hallelujah hallelujah glory be to Jesus lift your two hands with me this morning as we pray, father we thank you for your presence that is already here, only the living can praise and worship you such as we've done this morning and we ask that you have your way in the midst of us let your presence pervade and permeate this atmosphere. Make it conducive for miracles this morning. Make it conducive for divine intervention. We thank you for this service. And for everyone here present, everyone that will still join, and everyone joining us on the internet. We ask let your grace rest upon us right here. Let there be an exchange in your presence this morning. Give us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for morning. And a garment of praise for the spread of heaviness. We bless your name, Jesus. Charge your word with power today. Let it minister grace to every hearer. Let your name be glorified. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Somebody bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Please, you may have your seat. Have you welcomed your neighbor to church? Uh, Praise God. I said praise God. Uh, I can see that some people are trying to greet (laughs) (laughs) courteously. Praise God. I know you're aware of, you know, all the, the stuff making the rounds about the Ebola outbreak. Um, we'll talk more about that in the course of the service, but I just want you to know that um, Ebola or no Ebola, brotherly love must continue. <laughs> praise God. Uh, so, uh, if you don't have your own hand sanitizers, as you come into the service, you can ask any of our ushers. They'll they put it in your hand, rub it, and let brotherly love continue. All right? Praise God. I said praise God. Yeah, so... Uh, We we need to still be able to care for each other. The information that we have out there, a lot of it is just to, you know, uh, create panic and fear. Uh, The virus is not even uh, something that can be easily passed across, except somebody is completely down and and sick. Praise God. In which case, you you will see all the symptoms, you know, showing and the Ebola virus is such a very weak and docile one that um, cannot survive dryness. If you drop it on this pulpit now and it's dry, there's no water there. In a few minutes, the thing is gone. Yeah. Ordinary sunlight kills the Ebola virus completely. So it's just a, uh, a body fluid and um, blood of somebody who is full blown, a full-blown case that can throw it out. But yet everybody is running elter-skelter, you know, and, and, and panicking. Praise God. Uh, we have um, this brochure that we'll be giving out at the end of the service. Uh, give credit to the U.S. State Department, where we've got the information from. So you can pick up many copies and also distribute. But you read it, all right? Because <laughs> some people are experts in distribution, but they won't read <laughs> So you pick it first and read through it. It just gives some of the basic information, you know, that you need so that we don't just start to panic anyhow. You know what we're dealing with. When you have knowledge about what you're dealing with, the problem is more than half solved, all right? And then all the numbers from uh, the legal state government and all the other ones that you can call are also there. So please pick as many copies as you can and, and give out um, for... Our kids in the Junior Church we also observe the same. All our caregivers use hand sanitizers, and I think from uh, next Sunday, they will have to wear pro- protective stuff on their hands uh, to be able to uh, do their, uh, their job well. Um, and when you notice someone who, is, who, who has some symptoms, uh, try to keep some distance. All right? such that, as in it's not like we can't care for them. You understand? All I'm saying is, well, you read all that in the... Praise God. Our medical team also, they have a stand at the back here in the car park. Um, they want to be able to demonstrate how you can uh, maybe keep yourself and your home in good shape. Some, a lot of people have been trying to buy sanitizers and all that and no longer available in most supermarkets now. Uh, so, um, there's a demonstration that they have there. If you have bleach, you don't need any other thing. Uh, there's a where you measure the bleach and the water, and whatever you use it to do, it kills the virus so easily. But the truth is that it's not like the virus is on the streets and everywhere in Lagos, <laughs> like like we are trying to make it look so. Uh, um, less less, just the observant. The more we can report cases then the more we can curtail the situation. But much more than that today, I want to encourage us to pray for our nation. Uh, when I got the news about the Ebola virus, you know, the first few words that came out of my mouth was, Lord, we don't need this right now. This is not what we need. Our plate is full. We, we, we just don't need this, sincerely. This is not what we need right now. So we need to trust God that it's uh, totally contained, uh, I think maybe a little over 100 cases reported, not cases. uh, People that may have been involved with one person or the other, and the government, uh, they're doing a great job at managing the situation. Uh, A full-blown Ebola plague can literally... Grind our nation to a halt. And that's not what we need right now. We are trusting God for this nation to move forward. We're looking forward to t- 2015 uh, elections and all that. Uh, with bullet plague, there can't be an election. That's the truth. It's a full blown plague. Yeah. The commerce will shut down. The economy will shut down. That will not happen in this nation. I say it again. I say that will not happen in this nation. In the precious name of Jesus. Yeah. We will be able to go in and come out without our borders being completely shut down. Because by the time flights can no longer come into Nigeria, businesses will come to a halt. Yeah. That's why we need to pray. There's nothing that is happening in the physical that cannot be controlled from the spirit. So every hand of evil trying to come into Nigeria, every evil cloud, we have to shift them. And whether you believe that you have the grace or the calling to pray or not, every believer has power with God and we can all pray. You may not be an intercessor or a praying person, that may not be your calling, you know, but where God listens to all of us, and because we are all citizens of Nigeria, then we all can hold our nation up before God. And we can wait off this Ebola plague. Praise God. I said praise God. And we also need to continue to pray for the other African nations where uh, uh, they're reporting more cases. It will surprise you, for instance, to know that as much as they're making so much noise about Liberia, that in the capital city, Monrovia, they're here to report a case. Everything is outside. Now they check people before they come into the capital city you know, and all that. But the the noise is just overbearing and it's creating a lot of panic and we just need to be careful because sometimes, not sometimes, all the times, the devil works on fear. Fear attracts evil. I shall fear no evil. That's what the psalmist says. Because evil goes to people who fear evil. So we need to, to be sure we know whom we believe, and our hearts must be fixed on Him, trusting Him. Praise God. I said praise God. Alright. We're we'll continuing the series that will talk oxygen. We have been talking about the Word of God, and the place of the Word in the life of a believer, and the fact that we need to consider the Word like we consider oxygen being our sort of livelihood, and in the spirit of the Word of God, is a source of livelihood for the believer. And so one of the ways by which you know a believer that is growing and maturing in the faith is how you're doing with your appetite for the word. Anyone that is sick in the physical will lose appetite for food. The same way when a believer is not up and doing in the spirit the appetite for the word of God starts to dwindle. That's how we know whether we're growing or not. Do you have appetite for the word of God? Do you have appetite for the things of the spirit? and we we'll, we've we'll challenge each other uh, these past few weeks. We've gone practical about it, and that's why we have uh, the Oxygen Devotional Cards that we we'll give out every Sunday. And I don't know how you're doing with those cards, but if you're still not pulling your weight, then you need to do something better this week. We have just a couple of weeks to go with the Devotional. It's not something that we intend to do forever, but we intend to help you to jumpstart the habit again, especially if you, you're not doing too well with the habit of you know, studying the word of God consistently and praying with the word. Can you help me ask a neighbor, how are you doing with the word? Get a response. Yeah, You ask a question, you? you get a response. Yeah. You know, people in church just like to talk and go. It's a question, so you get a response. Let them talk. Let somebody say, I need help. Maybe that's why you are sitting beside them. <laughs> Praise God. As I said, praise God. Right, so it's very important that we, we make sure that we're going the extra mile to focus on the Word of God in this season. I remember we started out saying that the Word of God is the only hiding place for the believer at this time. Jesus gave us what will be the character of the last days. And a lot of the things we're saying right now are the things that he described as the things that will be the character of the last days. He said, when you see all these things, note that the end is near, not that the end has come, but the end is close. And these are some of the things that we're seeing consistently around us today. Now, at that point, or at this particular point in time that we have, the Word of God is the only hiding place for the believer. Join me in Psalm 91, verse 1 to 3, and then... Uh, I'll jump to verse 9, and I'll read from verse 9 to 12. I'm sharing with us a word of title, Fortified by His Word. Fortified by His Word. Fortified by His Word. Psalm 91, I'll read from verse 1 to 3, and then I'll jump to verse 9, and read it down to verse 12. I read, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, is my refuge And my fortress, my God in him, I will trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and the perilous pestilence. I jump to verse 9. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you. Nor shall plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you. To keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up. Lest you dash your foot against a stone. The Lord bless the reading of his word. You go through the scriptures and you read words like this. These are not vain words or vain repetitions of men. These are divinely granted utterances. From the heart of God to my heart and your heart. And there is tremendous power in the word of God. In the life of a believer. We are believers because we believe the word. We could have been believers in something else. But we believe the word of God. And what you believe is what you live by. So if you truly believe the word of God, it must be something that you are also ready to live by. Or live with. What we believe is what we live with. And we are believers in the word of God. The Word of God is of utmost importance to the believer. And this morning I'm focusing on one aspect of this importance of the Word of God to the believer. The Word of God is important to the believer in the sense that the Word of God is a source of defense. And it's also a weapon to the believer. A weapon of offense to the believer. And in life generally, we must come to terms with the fact that we're soldiers in the army of God. The soldiers are not prepared just to, you know, be lazing around the barracks. We're supposed to engage in warfare. The only good thing is that our warfare is already accomplished. So the Bible calls it a good warfare. So in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and when you read verse 12, the, 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 the first part of verse 12, Paul was writing to Timothy and he said, Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. What does it mean to fight a good fight? Ladies and gentlemen, can I uh, crave your indulgence to give me your utmost attention this morning. A good fight is a fight that you know, that head or tail, you win. You know there's a bad fight. Alright? When somebody has an undue advantage, that's a bad fight. So if you, if you put a child in front of an adult and say they should fight, for the child it's a bad fight. For the adult it's a good fight. Am I saying the truth? Because it's going to flood the child with, with, without any problem. For the child it's a bad fight. And Paul was writing to Timothy here, said fight a good fight of faith. A good fight is a fight that I'm fighting from the standpoint of victory. That I know that I know that I know that I need to fight, but I already have the victory. Why? Because Jesus procured the victory when he hung on the cross. So the fight of the believer is a good fight of faith. Because we're fighting from the standpoint of victory, not of defeat. Not that we don't know how it will turn out. For we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God. And are called according to his purpose. That's what the scripture says. But we need to engage. We need to engage. Our failure to engage will amount in defeat. But engaging by faith is fighting a good fight of faith. It's fighting a good fight of faith. There's so many things that God has blessed the believer with. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3 says that uh, He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Says, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in hev- heavenly places in Christ. But if you're like me, you don't want your blessings to remain in the heavenly places. You don't, don't, don't drive your car in the spirit. Drive it on Tommy Milan Bridge. All right? that, that's, that's better. Glory be to God. I said, glory be to God. Let, let blessings come down here. I can't be promised in the Word of God that I'm the head and not the tail, and all the time I'm struggling to experience what it means to be the head. It's time to bring it down in real life, physical. Somebody stay with me today. The Bible cannot say that by stress stripes I'm healed, and yet I'm struggling with sickness. I need to be able to fight the good fight of faith and bring my healing down. Somebody say with me today. Paul writing in the book of Romans, it says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. It can't say that sin shall no longer have dominion over me, and sin is still having dominion over me, and I can't not do anything about it to know how to deal with sin and walk under the grace of God and walk in righteousness. That, that's, that's the blessing, that we have been blessed in heavenly places, but we have to contend to be able to bring these things down. When you read in, in, in the book of uh, Daniel, you, you, you read the, the story about how Daniel's uh, blessing was, was delayed. That's why the Father God had already answered his prayers. In Daniel chapter 10. So you see all these kind of things in the Bible. And a lot of the time, blessings remain in the heavenly places. There are attacks in the physical and in the spirit and all kinds of things may want to go wrong when a believer is refusing to recognize himself or herself as someone who is supposed to be fighting a good fight, not a bad one, a good fight, who is supposed to be engaging. But how do we engage when we don't even know how we should engage or with what we should engage? Because when you are not conversant with the word of God, then it becomes very difficult for you to be able to engage. And even when you attempt to engage, it may be a bad fight. Because what's supposed to give you the advantage, you don't have it. And when you don't have what is supposed to give you the advantage, then your fight can be a bad fight. That will not be your portion in the precious name of Jesus. So in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, when you read from verse 16, Paul attempted, you know, something. That's to describe... What the believer has with which to fight. And if if you've been here long enough, I preach a series, I think that was last year or two years ago, uh, titled Fortified. One of us, six messages or so in all. You can order that from the resource department. Uh, So so if you currently are going through anything that you need, you know you need to engage fully in a good fight, then that's, that's the kind of message you should listen to. Praise God. I said praise God. So Paul here in Ephesians chapter 6 was talking about the believer from the point of view of how we should engage. And I just want to attempt at bringing out one of, you know, the things that he said here as one of the the, the weapons with which we should fight. But I, I need to bring back to your attention again that when God speaks to a person and gives the person revelation, you interpret revelation from God based on your own frame of mind, where you have been and what you have seen. So Paul was writing here in Ephesians chapter 6 and was writing about the whole armor of God. And he used his experience with Roman soldiers who buffeted him and dealt with him that he he saw on the street from time to time to explain it. So when you see a full-blown Roman soldier with, you know, all the gears, you see the shield, the breastplate, you know, the, the footwear, everything. The, 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 the helmet. They wear everything. The, most of what they are wearing are protective. They only have a shield, which is also protective, and a sword, which is now the, the thing with which you can be on the offensive. So Paul was writing here based on what he had seen. He received a revelation from God and interpreted it through all the different, you know, gears that the Roman soldier will wear. And you say we made this morning. So when you look at the believer in the spirit, Paul looked at the believer in the spirit. And because he understood that the believer is first and foremost a soldier in the army of God, then he interpreted the believer based on what he has seen in the physical. And then he wrote this here in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So, a believer without faith in your heart that God is able to do what He said He will do, and that faith will move you to go to places where ordinarily you shouldn't go, then you don't have the shield of faith. But that's not what, what I'm critically looking at this morning. Let's, let's proceed a little further. Verse 17, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's this, this is where I really want to dwell this morning. The sword of the Spirit. You know, Paul described everything. If you read from verse 15, the description started from there. It talks about the breastplate of righteousness, the, the guard your waist, your loins with the truth, you know, and all that. And then the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And in this season, that we're deepening ourselves again in the word, we must understand that that word is very critical to the victory of the believer. Very, very critical. Extremely critical to the victory of the believer. These are the things we engage to fight as believers. You know, I don't know if you've been places before uh, but just based on our imagination, sometimes believers are praying, and you get to a prayer meeting. You say, "Bring out your AK-47 rifle, rifle, rifle." Then you bring. You see people pointing like this, and they say, Grrr. See, "That's that's not better than playing computer game with your son at home. <laughs> truly." Uh, because there's there's really nothing like that in the Word of God. Paul described what we have, and in, in Second Corinthians chapter uh, ten, here verse four. He made it express. I mean, expressly said, for the weapons of our warfare, they're not cannon. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. The word of God is the number one weapon of the believer. The believer is therefore badly positioned in battle if he is without the word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the word of God in the mouth of God is is as powerful as the word of God in the mouth of a believer. There's no difference. The same way God said, let there be light in Genesis and there was light, a believer can speak light into any situation. Are you still with me this morning? I said, are you still with me this morning? The word of God in the mouth of God is as powerful as the word of God in the mouth of a believer. So when God speaks his word, when a believer speaks the same word, it creates the same effect. It creates the same effect. Are you still here this morning? I said it creates the same effect. The same effect. So, whether it's an onslaught of the enemy coming through compromising thoughts or direct attacks on on your body, challenging situations and circumstances, or you have needs for divine intervention in your finance, in your career, your marriage, in the life of your children, the Word of God still remains the number one weapon with which we make war. What we're we're saying today is that when believers are in a situation, the first thing we think about before we think about the Word of God is any other kind of intervention. If there's a sickness, for instance, uh, you call the doctor, you... Uh, take your drug, you know, and all that. And all that is not bad. In May, during our m- month of healing and health, we've discussed that. All that is not bad. But you need to, first of all, start with declaring the word before any other thing. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. That's what the scripture says. The word, therefore, is the foundation for every other forms of intervention, we are first and foremost believers in Christ Jesus and fully devoted followers of Jesus. Before we are any other thing. Is somebody say with me this morning? First and foremost, that's who we are. I'm first and foremost a child of God. Before I think of my degree, <laughs> how do you understand what I'm saying? When you put the cat before the horse you mess up your good fight. you turn it into a bad fight. I'm first and foremost a fully devoted follower of Jesus before I'm in Nigeria. And, and, and I don't mean to be unpatriotic, but that's just the truth. I'm not from here, I'm from heaven. And either it's above, it's above all. Are you still with me? Yeah. Yeah. When I became born again, I have a second a second citizenship, which is which supersedes any other kind of citizenship. And if I will live my life from that point of view, I will always be well positioned for a good fight. David was facing Goliath, and because he realized that he was first of all a Jew who has a covenant with God before any other thing. He took his position in that battle, speaking about the God of the army of Israel before any other form of intervention. That was why when they would give him options on what to wear and how to fight, he wouldn't yield to any of those things because he could see where his real advantage was. It wasn't in you know, what you know or what you don't know. All those things come later. When I'm in a situation and God wants to use my natural wisdom or my intellect, he will engage it along the line. I hope you understand what I'm saying. When I have brought him in. So he will be the one to let me know that you know this person who can sort you out and I want you to talk to him. Or, or introduce certain desires and thoughts into my heart that will lead me out of the situation. When my mind is not engaged on Jesus, I, I walk through situations manipulating my own way through. So God walks with us in every situation when we have brought him into the situation. Are you still with me this morning? The Bible says, the book of Psalms says, when the way of a man pleases the Lord, it will make his enemies to be at peace with him. Another, another uh, scripture says, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will grant the desires of your heart. What happens? When I'm delighted in God, my desires are no longer mine. He introduces them. Are you still with me? You know, sometimes you're thinking and you're wondering, where does that thought come from? If it's a silly thought, it's from the devil. Because you knew that you are not supposed to be thinking that way. If it's a great thought, it's from God. (laughs) Are you still with me this morning? Yeah. You just had a great thought. You thought of doing something nice to somebody that you should not be nice to you're wondering, what's wrong with you? Why do you want to do that? That's God talking to you. I you still with me this morning. When God wants to intervene in the life of a believer, he plants thoughts in your mind. Thoughts in your mind. That you'll be wondering, ah, why am I feeling like this? Why am I thinking like this? It's God introducing thoughts into your heart. That's what happens when you make him the foundation in a situation. Then he starts to work around every other thing. He will use your personal resources. But your personal resources will not be wasted and used anyhow when you have brought God into the foundation of that situation. Some people will have spent money and run around before they remember to pray. It's too late. You have wasted time and resources. That's where you're supposed to start from. Is somebody still with me this morning? I said, Are you still with me this morning? When you start from that, from that point, God starts to work every other thing out and He will engage your personal resources along the line. It will engage your intellect. It will engage your circle of influence. But it will be more calculated. Why? Because the all knowing God has been brought into the situation. That's how he loves to walk with us. That's how he loves to walk with us. And it's when we declare the word of God in every situation that we get the resource of heaven. All the resources of heaven to be at our attention. Is somebody still with me this morning? I said, are you still here? Some basic truths about the sword of the spirit that we must understand. Uh, First is that the word of God, like I said, is as powerful in the mouth of a believer like it will be in the mouth of God even when God speaks it. So the first thing that we need to understand is that the word of God is a weapon of offense and defense. It's a harsenah against the devil to wait off attacks and claim territories. Out of all the weapons that Paul described in Ephesians chapter 6, it's only the sword of the spirit that you can use to defend and at the same time to attack. So when I recite Psalm 91, no evil shall come near, my dwelling no plague shall come near, I'm, I'm using the word as a weapon of defense. When I declare the word, and I speak against the devil, and I declare, no one shall cast their young, no one shall be barren, and I start to say all those things, now I'm waiting off, I'm waiting off, and I'm attacking. It's a bad fight of faith when your mouth is shut. When the devil wants to deal with a believer, he discourages you so that your mouth cannot be opened. So you are so, you know, you know people get into the situation and say, I'm so discouraged I can't even pray. <laughs> that's an attack. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. That the devil is already shutting your mouth. Because this mouth is where, with which, I mean, is what God has given us with which we declare His word. And that's how we're fighting the spirit. That's how we're fighting the spirit. Somebody said we made this morning. Said somebody's still here this morning. That's how we fight in the spirit. Secondly, the word is a key component of our armor. In fact, every other armor that we have in God, all of them have their foundation in the word. It's the foundation of the efficacy of all other weapons in the armor of God. Without the word, every other thing is just like a show. Because you can't stand in battle and just defend yourself, but you are not attacking anybody. Yeah. So the word of God is a foundation for all other weapons that we have in the spirit. So the breastplate is in the shield. Without the sword of the spirit in your hand, every other weapon will not be able to actually bring the devil down. The best they can do is just to, to maybe protect you. And it's only through the word of God, thirdly, that our victory is guaranteed. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. He always leads us in victory in Christ. The word of God guarantees victory all of the time. All of the time, Jesus defeated the devil hands down, just with the word of God, and you can do the same. And I don't know the kind of uh, background you have, especially if, if if you have been born again for a long time. In my own journey of, of Christianity, I've worked with some very radical people. Some some people just they speak the word to anything. All right, I had a friend who. who who oh, spoke, the, spoke the word to his refrigerator. And he then jacked back to life. <laughs> all, all kinds of things. But when you truly check through the Bible, if we're supposed to be Christians and do the works of Christ, Jesus spoke the word to anything. Even when the devil wanted to tempt him. He said, speak to stones. The devil cannot tempt you with what you cannot do. The devil knew he can do it. So speak, speak to the stones, they will become bread. And then you have breakfast. Jesus said, Don't worry about it. Man shall not live by bread alone. The devil cannot tempt you with what you cannot do, he tempts you with what you can do. And Jesus demonstrated that. He spoke to animate, inanimate objects. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree, see, his disciples were amazed this, this, the second day. Not because the, the you know, not, not, not. How do I put it? They were amazed the second day, mainly because of the fact that the thing happened with speed. Not just that, the tree withered. Now, I read a particular uh, um, uh, research somewhere. Fig tree, when you cut it from its root and put it down. And it's not only fig tree, many other trees, but fig tree in particular. It takes, I think, minimum of three months for it to be fully withered is a very strong tree. It retains its capacity. And you know there are some trees like that, that you cut a branch and put down, the leaf will remain green, maybe till the end of the week. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. But you know what happened? The fig tree happened to be a different breed. It doesn't just wither anyhow. Go and check it out on the internet. Jesus spoke to it, and the next day, they not withered completely. That was what baffled them because they lived in Israel. They lived, you know, around that place. They know w- what kind of tree we are dealing with here. The next day. So it wasn't just that the tree withered, but the tree withered with speed. Yet yeah, today we have believers whose mouths are always short. Their sword is in their pocket all the time. And some have no sword because of no word at all. No word at all. Some believers, if you open your mouth, I don't know what will come out. Even in the face of a dangerous situation, you don't have anything to declare, nothing to say. You know when you travel and you're entering a country, you see the customs, if you have anything to declare. And um, light travelers always don't have anything to declare. Am I saying the truth? So you just walk through and go. In the things of the spirit, when you face the devil, you must have something to declare. (laughs) You declare what has been written. That's the only way to get a rite of passage. That's the only way for a rite of passage. I am not alone. I know what has been written concerning me. So I declare the word of God in the area of my health. I declare the word of God over my finances. I declare the word of God over my children. I declare the word of God even in the face of a plague. My industry is going down, but I choose to declare the word over it. Because we fight our battles in the spirit with the word of God. Is somebody sit here this morning. I said, are you still here this morning? David faced Goliath and kept declaring the word. It wasn't the stone that brought Goliath down. It was the word. The words have gone ahead of time to do the job. And believers here this morning, I needed to understand something. I needed to understand something. And that's that the only proof that you have the spirit of faith. Is that you open your mouth to speak. That's the only truth. The proof that you have the spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13 and I close. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. How do I prove that I have the spirit of Jesus on my inside? The spirit of faith is that my mouth is not shut. That the sword of the spirit is engaged from time to time. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written according to what is written Can you let me ask your neighbor do you know what is written? And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written I believe Therefore I spoke we also believe, and therefore we tap your neighbor. It's time to speak. So, your mouth shall no longer be shut in the precious name of Jesus. So, we engage the sword of the spirit, knowing that we have the same spirit of faith. The Bible says we should be a follower of them who through faith and patience. Inherit the promise. So we engage the spirit of faith, and the way we engage the spirit of faith is through divinely granted utterances, declaring the written word of God in every situation. That's the sword of the spirit. What the Bible says is the word of God. It's a double-edged sword, with which we can defend and we can attack. If your mouth is shut. You may never be able to record victory in the things of the Spirit. But if you, keep, if you dare to keep your mouth open and declare the Word of God from time to time, you walk in victory all of the time. You walk in victory all of the time. Blessings will no longer be in heavenly places. You'll be able to see them in earthly realms. This is one more reason this morning why a believer must be exposed to the Word of God. On a daily basis. Because when you do that, what you're doing is that you're opening up yourself for strength. To be well equipped for what God wants to use you to do. Lift your right hand with me this morning. And whatever word you can remember from the word of God, I want you to declare it now over any situation. Over anything at all around you. For someone here this morning, maybe all that you will be saying is I'm making a commitment to be able to get into the world a little more. That I may be more relevant as a soldier of Jesus. Making a commitment.